whether it's teaching men to banter, to flirt, to sexually escalate, it's teaching them to move forward with their intentions, but with respect at the same time and not being afraid of the negative things that could possibly happen as an outcome. Welcome back to another episode. I am so pleased to have with me Marnie, who is probably pretty well known to most of you that are listening. Um, I'm really impressed with Marnie's work over the years. And I feel like um, one of my guy friends said it best where he said, um, when he was listening to you years ago, he said, I feel like she brought a lot of integrity into a topic that didn't have a lot at the time. Oh, so wow. we're going to get into all of that. Um, but Marnie, I'd love to welcome you to the podcast. Is there anything you want listeners to know as we start this discussion? It's just about oh, you. Oh, well, about me. I, I'll, I'll let you know that that felt really good to hear. And now I feel like really nice about myself. So I appreciate that. Yeah. No, that feels amazing. That was my goal the entire time uh, through my past 17 years is to always add integrity to the dating space. Cause I think sometimes people forget to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So one of the most interesting things to me about you is I don't think there are very many women in the pickup, the pickup. No seeing the pickup industry. And I'm wondering if you can just share a little bit for maybe folks that aren't familiar with your work, how you got started and what your kind of identity is in this space. Yeah. Well, so like when I was a kid, I don't think I had a dream to be like the best pickup artist in the world. I don't even think I knew that that existed, to be honest, but I was continuously helping my single guy friends understand women. They would come to me for all of their female advice. And then I moved out to Los Angeles, not to be a pickup artist, but I was moving for the film industry and quickly realized like I hated working in film and television and PR. That world wasn't for me. But I went to um, a singles mixer at a rabbi's house and I walked in and nobody was talking to each other. So I started grabbing men and saying like, just go up to her, just go do this, just say this. And I would also help them start the conversations and I would make the introduction, facilitate the conversation and leave once they were doing really, really well. And by the end of the night, people were mixing, they were mingling. There were two people that were making out in the corner. It was fantastic. And it made me very happy. And I went home and I said to my male roommate, I want to do what I did tonight. I want to be a wing girl. And he goes, I don't know what that is, but I do know that men do not care about what women think. And I was like, I don't think you're right. They would love to get advice from me. And they're like, no, I don't think so. And I marched into my room and said, I will show you. I put an ad up on Craigslist. This is like really dating myself. I put an ad on Craigslist saying, what better way to attract bees than with honey? Sit back and relax. I'll pick up women for you. I'm going to be your wing girl. And I went to bed 
And I woke up the next morning and I had over 75 guys responding back saying that they were interested in getting a wing girl. And what is this wing girl thing that you're talking about? And so from that point, I started going out with guys and I had, I think I hired like 22 women to work for me. So I had a lot of people who were going out with men. And then I went back to that rabbi's house a couple of months later after I started my company. And I met Ross Jeffries, who is the godfather of the pickup world. Like he happened to also be at the singles mixer, which was so random. And he slid his card across the table and he goes, I think we need to know each other. And I was like, who are you? Who I don't even. And then he started talking to me about the pickup world. And I was like, I have absolutely no idea who these people are, what these terms are, just completely clueless, like throwing everything at me as if I had a a clear understanding and had been studying this for years. Uh, But he was really gracious and welcomed me into his role, introduced me to his family. And they were wonderful, wonderful people, all psychologists and like super smart and amazing. Um, And he really opened up the world of pickup to me, showed me what other men were doing. and. I was the first woman to be welcomed into that world as, as, as like a solo independent company. There were other women, obviously, that were at different events because they would use them as examples. But I was the first woman who had her own company and they liked what I had to say. It was different than a lot of the advice they were hearing from other women. Uh, and I got like the stamp of approval and thumbs up from that world that what I was saying was correct information. So that that was my intro into that world. And then obviously, since then, it's been about 16 or 17 years. Uh, I've tr- not transformed, but I've, I've shifted and changed what it is that I'm doing, the advice that I'm giving. I never was a pickup artist, even though that's what my label was. Um, but I, I was a wing girl. I was helping men understand women so they could attract, date, seduce, get, and keep the women that they want. And that's what I continue to do till this day. Yeah. I, I love that part about transformation. And, um, I do think that that's probably an apt word because if we're human beings growing on our paths, ultimately we are transforming, right? right? Everything in nature is constantly transforming. So if you're doing it right, you're always transforming. Otherwise, you're right. right. I'm curious to hear, yeah, a little bit about, you know, the early years. And I I mean, many of the men that I work with, I I would say are sort of pickup refugees, right? They've come from that world and, and have felt quite honestly that, some of the advice is, you know, trending towards rapey, right? A little bit yes. like, or objectifying or all that. So, and I'm sure you, that was on your heart as you were in the industry. How did you contend with that, especially early on? What was your, you know, what was your relationship to that? Because there were some, there were some sketchy members of that field. There were also some, a lot of people that were really trying to, to help and do the right thing. And I think it served a lot of people. A hundred percent. And there were so many men that were in that world that I was like, yes, that does work what you're saying. Yes, that's totally true. Um, the thing that I always thought about that world was that, okay, in the very beginning, it's okay to learn lines and routines to like you're riding a bicycle. That's how you learn to learn a skill. And then afterwards you got to like, get rid of that stuff and create your own version. Um, and since then, the, the truth is, is, that I, is that I have very different views on it because a lot of the things that they would talk about worked. They did. They they worked. And it was really the person that was doing the things that decided which direction those materials would go to. So for example, there were some men in the industry. I remember speaking at this one event 
in a lair, like a very long time ago. I think it was like 14 years ago. And there were three male speakers that got up and spoke and they just like delivered incredible information about how to approach, how to have confidence, how to have conversation. And then this one guy came up who was really young. So it's mainly like the really young ones who use it to, to get out all of their anger that they felt when they were uh, younger towards women. And this one guy got up and he was just bashing women and saying, you got to do this to trick her. You got to do this to tease her. You got to do, do this to get her. And it was, it was basically very similar information that was delivered before by the other men. It was just the tone and um, the intent behind what he was delivering that gave it that rapey feeling that gave it that assaulty type of feeling. So I, I think the shift for me, I, I was against pickup in the very beginning um, cause I didn't fully understand it. All I saw was that it was tricks, um, and tools and tactics. And I didn't like that somebody could use that on me to get me. But as I go, dove deeper into the industry and I understood how we all kind of need tips and tricks and tactics, and especially myself as I'm, I'm a parent now, and all I'm digging for is tips and tricks and tactics. Like that's what, what I need to survive. So I have a very different point of view on um, the pickup world. I think there is a total benefit to the things that men are teaching. I think it really is the teacher and the 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 place where it's coming from from them and how you put it back out into the world. That's where it can be very dangerous to other people. So it's it's the true intent behind the person who's holding that power of the tips and tricks and tactics that can do damage or can do wonderful, wonderful things. I appreciate that perspective because you know, it's, it's, it's very similar to actually relating, right. Two, yes. two men can say the same words, the same words can come out of their mouth towards me and it can have a completely different effect because yeah. of what you're saying of I'm feeling into their beingness, their body, their intention, their tone, you know, if it feels scary, you know, often there's something that's hidden, right. Yeah. That he's not, that he's not sh- wanting to share or that, or he's holding a lot of anger that he hasn't processed yet. And it feels scary. And then he feels angry because it's like, well, this isn't working. This doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, right. Because it's like, well, he said it and it worked and I said, and it didn't work. And it's like, because it's not about what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It's about how you're being as you're saying. Yes. Well, I I used to have this, this saying that I would say all the time. I'm like a guy could come up to me and say, banana, banana, banana. And it wouldn't like I get a different impression from every guy who says that to me. If 10 guys say that to me, one guy I'm going to want to like hump <laughs> one guy. I'm going to want to slap in the face. One guy I'm going to want to hold and like coddle him for half an hour because I'm going to sense something behind those words. And I think what is happening now, especially with the pandemic, I think we are all becoming so much more in tune. Right. And oh, sorry, my mic is being a little bit weird right now and receptive to what's going on for people behind just their faces. And women are always and and have always been wonderful at this. But I think even more so we're more in tune and we're more aware of what can be behind that face and that character that we're seeing. So I think with the Me Too movement, with the pandemic, I think things are shifting more so that women are more receptive and more responsive um, to what's being shown to them and seeing that it can not be more things than just like somebody who's really charming or somebody who's a serial killer. I think that that we're sensing a lot more things than we were before and our BS detectors go off a lot faster uh, than they did in the past. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the reasons I'm sure that you have lots of clients. A lot of the clients that come to me want to be respectful 
of women yes. want to respect women. They want to honor women. They want women to feel safe. They yes, want women but it, to feel comfortable. It's probably bit them in the butt very exactly. many so times too, in the past. Yeah. It has felt like, how the hell do I do that <laughs> and show her I'm interested, right? How do I actually pursue a woman in a respectful way? And I feel like that's been a strength of yours is helping men through that journey. And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to how you work with a man who is not having a lot of success with women and is yeah, afraid. He's basically afraid of doing it wrong and making well, well, it wrong. Well, you just said it right there. That's the difference. There's I'm respectful of women, but I'm afraid that I'm not going to get the things that I want. I'm afraid to say the things that I want. I'm afraid to ruffle feathers. It's it's that that needs to be worked on. Like that is, you just said it perfectly. So as soon as you can eliminate these fears or eliminate um, the actions that display those fears. So for example, if you're talking to a woman and she says something that you don't like, or she says something uh, that you can kind of tease her a little bit about, but you choose not to because you think that she's not going to like it. She won't want to have sex with you later on. Whatever reasons go through your mind and you don't say those things, that's when you're hurting yourself. And that that's, that is the main point of what I teach, whether it's teaching men to banter, to flirt, to sexually escalate. It's teaching them to move forward with their intentions, but with respect at the same time and not being afraid of the negative things that could possibly happen as an outcome. If you are being respectful, if you are a man of integrity, if you are authentic, most often you are going to get a positive result. It doesn't mean that she's going to want to sleep with you. It means that she's going to say, no, thank you to your face. And then move on afterwards and not slap you across the face or make fun of you to all your friends or put you on like America's most wanted list. Like it, that's how you get positive results is by opening up your mouth, asking for it. And on the back end, being a freaking amazing man. Yeah. I, I like what you said there too, because that's been my experiences. Um, <laughs> A lot of men, they'll have the urge or the, or the desire, or the pull, or they'll think of like, they'll feel it and then they'll hold themselves back. So yeah. there's, oh, I can't let her know that I want her. Oh, yeah, that's so like, wrong. Oh, I want it. I wanted to kiss her in this one moment. I felt the pull, but I was like, oh no, it's not the right time. Or maybe like you said, she'll we'll be receptive with me. Yeah. yeah. She'll slap me, you know, yeah. all of that stuff is very real. So, um, what are some ways that you work with men around that around? Well, I would tell them that in that moment, let's, let's like go back to that moment, right? Like, let's see what we could have done instead so that it's still along your lines of integrity and full respect, but it's also super sexy and makes her like, you know, parts tingle in ways that you want them to. So you would look at a woman in that moment. If you're like, I really want to kiss her right now. You can see, you can look at her. You can even touch the side of her arm. Depends on where you are in your escalation phase, but you can look at her and you can say, this may seem inappropriate, but I totally want to kiss you right now. Everything you've said to me is just like, it's so sexy. Like you're amazing. How can you say no to that? How, who would say no to that? Especially if you're feeling that vibe as well. If, if, if the man's feeling that vibe and that woman is feeling that vibe at the same time, like why would that not be the perfect moment for it to happen? You know? So that's, that's what I help men do is just like mentally rehearse through that process so that they don't make those mistakes again. And really, I think I do the same thing as you do. It's really just giving permission to people. And that's all that I think in any self-help realm, I think that's all that people are looking for is permission to do the things that they want to do or guidance on how to do it. 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to, to hear a little bit about how, you know, your work with men evolved over the years. What did you find were some turning points in terms of, oh, this works really well. I'm incorporating this now, or for example, you getting into partnership, let's say, and learning new things. And then, you know, how did that- I mean, all of it, like even now, so I'm 40 now, I have kids now. I remember advising men when I was 23, 24, who were in that stage. And like, you can't fully understand it until you are in it. And then even now, I I don't think I can remember being 25 and how, you know, I would respond when I was 25. Good thing I wrote everything down, made videos about it so that I can continue to share that information. But I, I just noticed that your understanding of human interactions just expands just so much more. So at 25, if you were to ask me if uh, women, women were to cheat or a man were to cheat, would you take them back? And I would say, absolutely not. You can't do that, blah, blah. But now as I'm moving towards an older age where I understand circumstance, I understand more stress and pressure and family, like everything, I understand how it could happen. And I understand how you can actually work through that. So the shift for me has really just been living my life and gathering more information. And I I get to talk to like thousands and thousands and thousands of amazing men every single year um, and hear more about where they're coming from, what their frustrations are, what their struggles on and vice versa. Whenever I say what I do for a living, it instantly opens up a fun, engaging conversation where people just want to tell you everything about their, their own sexual lives, relationship lives, dating lives. So I get to just gather more and more information. And the more that I gather, the more insight that I get, which also leads to a bit more confusion because I'm like, ah, <laughs> now I've just have all these people saying so many different things. How do I find the common patterns within everything that they're saying? And it, it is sort of funny. I have noticed recently that, you know, things that I would have advised when I was 25, I don't know if I would still advise some of those things. Oh, Um, tell us more. Give us a couple of examples of what. Just even some lines that I would have told people to say, which I don't typically give lines out to people. I usually tell them that it's how they say it, not what they say, but just there isn't really anything specific that, that comes to mind, but like just even things that I'm forgetting now because it's about picking somebody up at a bar, which I haven't been to a bar in like 10 years. So it's just, it's just so interesting because now I'm like, okay, now you meet people at coffee shops, at classes, with your hobbies, within your own community. Um, so there's been, I guess it's a lot of shifts for me, but I'm still continuously collecting information. Uh, and I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, the advice that I gave in the past was wrong, but maybe the tone that I delivered it in could be improved on or would shift now based on who, who I am. Does that make sense? Right. Because you're more sophisticated now. Oh, thank you. You How do you know? (laughs) I mean, sophisticated chic, but I also just just literally there's more nuance Yeah, because, you know, there's that Malcolm Gladwell adage of anyone that spends 10,000 hours doing anything is like mastery, right? Yeah. And probably spent ten thousand hours. Oh, more, more for sure. Right, talking, talking to men, working through things with men. One thing I'm curious about is uh, attraction, and I'm curious. You know, I've had uh, a number of male clients who've been open about I'm attracted to men and women, or I'm not sure where my attraction is exactly. And I'm curious, have you seen more openness in the past few years? Because I feel like I've seen a little bit more 
willingness not to- with my audience not, not with my audience, audience okay. but in general yes like i'm jealous of teenagers now to have that freedom to say things out loud about what you're thinking in your head that's amazing i would absolutely love that there's so many categories to be in i think it, it's fantastic so i will say overall in the world yes absolutely but in my specific teaching i think that people come to me for i'm a straight man looking to meet women. I get some people who ask about, you know, we're a couple, how do we approach a woman? Um, that's not my area of expertise, but I try to advise as much as possible. Um, but no, I don't, I don't have people who are like, I want to go in these different directions. Got it. Or I'm not sure. Right. Okay. Um, so great. So in terms of how you work with men and what you're hearing from men about what they want, this is something I'm curious about because I would say that most of my most of my audience or clients want long-term partnership. Either they're in a marriage that's not working and they're trying to figure out how to either fix it or exit it, or they're single. And even if they are saying, you know, I want to explore, I'm not sure. I just got out of something. There's this underlying drive of eventually I want a partner. Eventually I want partnership. I'm curious if that's the same, same for you. Are you seeing the same thing of, okay. Yeah. And most, most guys aren't coming to me saying like, Hey, how do I screw this woman for one night? And then like date multiple Cause they know that's not who I am as well. And it's not the way that I present my information. Although I'm happy if you want to go and have a one night stand in a bathroom at a bar, or if you want to have a long-term relationship, I'm up for helping you either way, as long as you do it with integrity. But the trend that you find is that because it's yeah. the same for me, I don't, I think that the perception that society has of men, I guess is what I'm thinking yeah. of is fundamentally not true in my experience with real human men. They don't just want to fuck everyone that moves. Most of my clients need to feel some amount of emotional safety in order to even have sex with a woman. And that's not what we're presented in terms of the, the, you know, the, the culture. So I'm wondering, is there anything else that you found that you sort of maybe thought going in, oh, men are this way, but then you were surprised. Well, yeah, of course. Well, it's funny because I thought everything was so easy for men. Oh, it's so easy to approach. It's so easy to start a conversation. It's so easy for lead. Why is it difficult for you? Like it is interesting. So I, I made a program like 10 years ago that was for women called that's not how men work because I started to notice my own advice from my female friends was shifting from, Oh, what a jerk. Like you don't deserve that. Blah, 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 to, yeah, but that's not how guys work. Damn men don't work that way. They're not going to want to do it. What you're, what you're saying. So it, it is interesting. Like I definitely took in a lot of information from my clients. Can you that, say a little bit more about that, about the, like, what's an example of what a woman would think, well, this, obviously it's this way. And you're like, no, that's okay. not how women work. So here's an example. So my sister-in-law, um, this is a few years ago. She was recently divorced and got out, you know, dating again. And she met this guy through a family friend of hers. They had met at a barbecue and they were bantering with each other. They were joking around. He asked for her number and he said, let's go on a date. They went on their date. He picked her up. They got to dinner and he just kept talking about himself, talking, 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 never asking a single question of her. So she called me from the bathroom and was like, Marnie, what is going on? He was so nice when I met him last week. He was asking me questions. He was listening. Now he's just talking, talking, talking. And I was like, well, you have to understand that men are given lots of information from other men about silences in the conversation. Plus it's high pressure to be on a date with a woman that they're attracted to and that they're interested in. 
And if they don't know how that woman's receiving the information or what she's feeling at that time, that's a lot of pressure on them, makes them super nervous and stressed out, which could be why he's rambling. So go back to the table, put your hand on his forearm, look him in the eyes and smile and lean in a little bit just to signal, I'm in this, I'm liking you, I'm happy with what's going on. And she called me afterwards and she's like, oh my gosh, your voodoo magic worked. It was amazing. He just like totally relaxed afterwards. And then we ended up making out in his car for 45 minutes. So I think that little bit of information was really helpful for her. So I tell women to like help a brother out. It is difficult and challenging. Like if a woman wants to experience being a man, she should go online Make a profile as a man and try to interact with 20 women and see what you get back. She will have a very hard time getting the responses that she wants and she'll get some insight into how difficult it is to be a man on the internet and to be a man in the world approaching. It's very challenging. I think that's a great point, especially because I do think there's such a dichotomy between men's and women's experience. And I'm mostly talking about straight men and women on the apps, because I really don't think that women can grasp the, the, the dearth of, right. The lack of matches that many men are getting and the lack of responses because we as women generally aren't having that experience. Receivers. We, we are receivers. We get a lot more matches. And according to the research, which I feel like has been mixed, and I'm curious whether you've got more accurate data than me, I think there really are more men on the apps. Yes. I, it, the, the, it, the, it skews between there's 60%, 40, you know, 60, 40 to men to 80, 20 to men, d- depending yeah. on the app, which surprised me. I, did, I thought it was 50, 50, but I thought it was too, but yes, I do think, well, again, I've seen probably similar results to what you yeah. see, but it does skew, it, but I think it's like different apps that they're looking at are different sites. Cause there's so many apps now. Um, but most apps, especially when they start off are like flooded with men and they've got, they have to pay women to get, to get onto their, their app in some way. And then they populate it with women and then it becomes more popular. And yes, then they can grow and maybe it does become 50, 50 or 60, 40. But um, yes, there's definitely a huge difference between men and women online. I'm curious too, you know, in your work, because I think a lot of your work is sort of, I guess the way that I have perceived your work is that it's a lot sort of the beginning, the beginning stages yeah. of the process, meaning attraction, building attraction, going out on the first dates, getting the first few dates. Right. Yeah. And then do people sort of stick with you over time? Do you have people who you're actually coaching that are in relationship or do you mostly focus on the first stage? I I do. And I'm starting to focus more on those areas because these are areas that I'm trying to tackle myself. Right. And once I get it, (laughs) then I'll pass on the information. Um, But I I'm going through it. I am married. I have children. So I have more experience in those areas. And I think, I mean, in, in interviews that I do, or even on my YouTube channel, sometimes I reveal that information. So I think more men are coming to me uh, for that kind of advice where I'll do email coaching with them and, and not necessarily any of my programs. But I started doing these masterclasses once a month that tackle different topics. So we had uh, a masterclass two months ago about how to emotionally connect and build trust with women. And I had this amazing expert come on who's a marriage and family therapist uh, named Tara Harrison, who came on and spoke about the tool Attune you know that freaking me? Yeah. And she came on and just like blew everybody's minds because it was just, 
like for any man, for a man who's in a relationship, for a man who's starting off and just dating, like knowing that skill set and that having that tool in your back pocket is just like absolutely amazing can, and can help your communication and trust building with any woman that you interact with. Right. <clears throat> Not just romantic partners, but yeah. also, that's yes. something that I've been a little bit surprised and pleased about is I feel like in in our work and the, with the clients that I've seen, the skills that they've built and the way that they've grown has shown up with their family members too, yeah. and their kids. So they're connected well, and their friends and their friends they're, they're learning to open up and connect yes. more, look at the world around you and say, Hey, I can start a conversation with you. Random person standing beside me, make your day, walk away, feel good about myself and you feel good too. So yeah, it's yeah. totally helping every in area. A conversation with yes. my sister that I wouldn't have done even a year ago, or my nervous system yes. had the capacity to hold this tension, right? If there's tension, it's like the, that ability is now bigger than it was, yeah. which really affects the person's whole life instead of, cause I think a lot of times we were like, I'm getting help for this one thing over here. And this is the only thing that it's going to do, but really everything we do affects everything we do. Totally. So totally. there's kind of a virtuous cycle there. And <clears throat> I'm, I'm wondering specifically, you know, since you are married, you are in partnership. Um, I'm curious what you, uh, what you have to say about keeping the spark alive and, you know, flirtation and attraction in a long-term partnership. Do you feel like you've learned or grown in that area? Do you get that as a question? What's your take on that? (sighs) Here's the thing that I think about keeping the spark alive. It's not even sexy things that you do to keep the spark alive. Once you get deeper into a relationship, I really think that building the safety connection and trust is the portion that you have to focus on with a woman first before she's open to that spark being there. And then you can incorporate the flirting into it because no amount of dates that you schedule or flirtation that you attempt is going to work. If your wife freaking hates you and it's bitter because you don't clean up your shit and watch your kids and plan things for your family, it's, it's not going to happen. That's, that is just how it works. So My husband and I, we have couples counseling that we go to every once in a while, which helps us communicate in a safe place where we don't get defensive. Oh, I like that. I get applause from you. It's great. Where we don't get defensive or we do, but we're sort of, you know, reined in by the therapist being there and embarrassment of blowing up at each other. So (laughs) we don't do it. Um, But it's extremely, extremely helpful. And then also what we do is we try at least once a week to get out and having a date night and putting a no kid conversation uh, rule out there so that we have to figure out other things to say, which can be extremely challenging because your mind that's it's filled with that. It's either work or home life or so it's hard, but it forces you to have other conversations and actually we got this thing. It's from one of my friends. I think Brett Alcorn made these. I forget what his real name is in the pickup world, but it's called the deck of uh, deck of destiny, whatever it is. He made these like five years ago, but it's this deck of cards that just asks really good questions. Like, you know, when was the first time that your partner made you smile? Or like, what did you think the first time that you met the person that you're, whatever. They're like really good questions that spark good conversation. And it's really nice to just hear your partner say, oh, well, you know what? The first time that you ever made me smile was blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, I forgot that you think that way about me. And it's just like, you can be in love for an evening and then go back to your home life afterwards. And then everything starts, you know, toned down a bit and you don't really care so much about the shit on the floor until it builds up 
to the next week. <laughs> and then you go out again and it's fine. I love that because I've, I've often thought of um, sexy connection, whether it's making out or a conversation like that, right? Just any kind of sexy connection is like lubricant for the relationship. Oh, yes. Like other things just sort of become easier, even if they don't change, it just feels a little bit better. Yes. And part of what I really like about that, we were talking about this in one of our coaching calls recently about, you know, the power of a man leading mm-hmm. doesn't have to be elaborate. It can just Not be at all. I picked up this deck of cards. We're going to do a few questions. That's already hot. Right. Him leading oh in God, that I'm turned way. on by you even just saying that. Exactly. Like, I'm like, works. I have a little plan for us. Mm-hmm. And here it is. You're like, ooh, I feel like I'm feeling the tingles already. Yes. You and did something I- for me and thought about it outside of me making you a list. That's phenomenal. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, they, and it does. It's sad. I, I've like fallen into this cliche, but it it, it, it becomes the reality for every woman that I talk to in our community. Oh, bless you. Um like we all have the same story. And so I, I do know that this happens to people all over the world who fall into that same pattern of having family stress, financial stress, work stress, all of these things. And then on top of that, you have a breakdown in communication between you and your partner where you're not seeing them as being so masculine and they're not seeing you as being so feminine. And that's really difficult on both sides. Yes. So something has to happen. Very to well you. said. Yes. Because the the thing about that we were talking about with respect to polarity was it's never fixed, right? You always have an opportunity to, for yes. example, lead, right? Yeah. You're it's never too late. And it's never, I mean, sometimes it is appropriate to end a relationship. We'll just yes. put that out there. Sometimes yeah. it really is. This isn't working or someone has something going on that's untenable and boundaries yeah. are being crossed. And, and that's not what I'm talking about yeah. in, in, relationships that are, you know, functional, Yes, there's always an opportunity to bring some fire, to bring some leadership, to, to, you know, bring something that does generate polarity. And I think that that, that deck is a great example of, you know, it's not elaborate, but it's deep, it's deep and it's ongoing, right? It's yeah. like those, those questions that stimulate, you know, even the the feelings that you had at the beginning of the relationship, it's not an accident that a lot of relationship coaches or therapists will start out saying, tell me about how you met. Right. Tell me about, right. Tell me about the beginning, because when you're in that new relationship energy and you have all that dopamine, bringing up those memories also stimulates that dopamine. You remember, right. That's right. I couldn't wait to see you. And I was so nervous. I was wearing these leggings and I wasn't sure if they were flattering. And and the first thing you said was, I love your pants. And I just melted. It's like, oh, you're melting again, right? You, you, you feel it in that moment. And I also love what you said about, you know, you and your, your partner getting, some kind of counseling, because I really think that that holding is important so that both partners can be in it with someone instead of one of them having to hold the conversation. Also, you're not in your triggered cycle when you're talking to a therapist, right? So it's just like, I'm saying something, you're saying something, I'm hearing the same thing over and over again. You're having somebody who's sitting in front of you where you're in a calm state, number one, which is wonderful. And then can say, wait, I hear you saying this and I hear you saying this. What if we do? Like, it's just, it's just nice some time to have a third party. Like certain times, I'd even like for one of our friends to be over and to say, wait, wait, what happened in this argument here? Did I start something or did he start something? Is it me being sensitive? I think sometimes having somebody say, you're, you are being sensitive, right? To his tone. So let's work on that. I think that's super helpful. One thing I did want to say to add on 
because you you made a statement about like okay bring it bring this deck of destiny and that's the first step to leadership 100% and my my concern is always when when giving advice like that and then some people go out and they try it they're like i brought the deck and it didn't work and she was really pissed off afterwards so i i do want to add on like a tidbit of information if you're open to me doing that so as great as the deck is there has to be a good base there right if she freaking hates you she is not going to be happy with any attempt that you you bring. So you can confidently say, listen, I have a surprise for us tonight. I, I picked up this little thing that you might think is really cute. You might think it's kind of cheesy, but I think it'll be fun for us to do. And you take out the deck and you start playing and she's just like not receptive to any of these questions. Okay. So you put the deck down and you say, I can sense something that something is going on with you. I want you to tell me, I'm going to listen. I'm not going to yell. I'm just going to be open to hearing what you have to say. You can touch her if she allows it. And she goes, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And you go, okay, well, I am here to listen whenever you want to talk to me. I'd love to continue playing this game, but if it's not the right time for you, we don't have to. And and let that soften her a little bit. And it may not happen that evening, but if you continue doing things like that, like I'm here for you, you check in on her the next morning and say, hey, I just want to make sure that you're feeling better. I know that you were tense last night. Again, I'm here to listen and I'm not going to bite back. It's just reaffirming that because she may have this built up in her head that she expresses emotions on whatever level she does it and you react. So she's not going to do it anymore. So I think that that for some people, because you told me before that some people who do listen to your show are in that stage where they're, you know, not sure if they're going to divorce or not sure if they stick with it. Um, There is some work to be done. It's not always as easy as bringing a deck out. But if you are at a good place, where it's just like service level stuff of being a little bit messy and maybe not helping out someone around the house, then that deck is fantastic. And you can have like that sexy time with each other from that deck. But if not, and you need a little bit more, there's some more to be done. That's a great point. And I think that that kind of circles back to the getting help, right? It's like, okay, if, if, if it's critical and it's nothing is working, or if you're, if you feel like you're always if you feel like you're always stressed and anxious about your relationship, that's a red flag. And there are, you know, we have some episodes about that specifically. That's, you know, it's sort of like papering over something, right? It's like the, the walls, the walls have holes in them and you literally put paper over them (laughs) with a stapler. That's like what the deck can be versus a functional relationship where it's like, everything's kind of fine, but we want to add some spice. We want to add some fire. We want to add some attraction and yeah. some depth and some harmony and some, you know, the ooey gooey feeling of like, Oh yeah. I remember those leggings. Yeah. I remember now I wanted to rip your clothes off. off of you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. 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 It, there's all different kinds of phases. And I think that's part of the value of having mentors and third parties to your point is sometimes you do need that extra. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you do, it's like, well, I've been trying this. And, and to your point, if one or both partners is holding deep resentment about the relationship they've held for tw- 20 years, <laughs> there's no deck yeah. on the planet that's going to be able to get at right. that. Except- yeah. Except when she whips it at your head and is like, get the fuck away from me. I hate you. <laughs> right. And it's horrible. It's horrible that we all, we do this. Like I see my, my parents do this. Like they, they do not communicate. They've never gone to a couple's counselor. And I promised myself I would never be like them. I tried to be their therapist for a while. And they're just like, he's like, I tried it once and this didn't work. So I'm not going to try it again. And my mom's like, what's the point? He's never going to listen to anything I say. And that sounds miserable, right? But they have like 25, 30 years of, of 
tension build up between the two of them. And if you're in the stage now where you can alleviate some of that with three months of therapy, six months of therapy, and then you could have bliss after that together, I say put in the work, do it, and it'll it'll pay off. Yeah. And it we will also clarify, you know, is this right? You're right. right. Totally I, right. I definitely have at least one or two clients now who are in in couples counseling or, or some version of that where, you know, their wife doesn't want to go anymore, for example, mm-hmm. or she's, you know, resistant in some way, or it's like, it's not working. And it's like, that's an indication that the relationship isn't working. It's, it's like, the, right. now you need to make a plan around that of like, yeah. this might be time to exit because not every relationship is right for the right. season. You're, you're totally right. That you're in. And if one person is growing and the other person is not, I've yeah. never seen it work. Right. It's got to be both people interested mm-hmm. in that part, even if yeah. they're not there yet. The interest in growing, right? Like I do want to yeah. look at my attachment stuff. I do want to, you know, I, I want to be in this with you. Or, or even if we're both okay, okay being miserable together, there's the flip side of it too. Like, cause that's what always has to be recognized, right? Cause I always, I always like coach from this pace place of like, oh, if you want to do work on yourself, some people are like, I don't want to do any work. And the other person's like, I don't want to do work either. But then you have to be okay with both of you not doing work and can you be okay with mediocre or not so great? If that's okay for you, then continue doing it. And maybe a lot of us have parents like that. (laughs) I I think most of us have parents like that because that's what was taught to them back then. It's crazy. And so it's funny because I see it in my own family, like that, that version of marriage has taught me to work like super hard where to the fact that I'm like, it's never finished and we can always work more. And my sibling is just like, no, we're not working at all. And this is just how it is. And it's just, it's so interesting how you can go in both directions. It's fascinating, especially in the same family system, because you can grow up in the same house and yet have totally different lives after. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. So, um, as we're starting to wrap up here, I'm curious, uh, what are you excited about right now in your work and where you're going? Oh my God. Okay. So many things because well, what we've been talking about right now is actually the area that I'm most passionate about right now. Like I, you're right. I I've done the attraction phase. (laughs) Like I feel like I've mastered it. I've done my 20,000 hours, maybe even 50,000 hours, whatever it is on it. Um, and now I'm diving more into maintenance of a relationship. Like even that first year of dating, how do you how do you navigate it? Like how do you do it so that she doesn't lose interest in you and that you actually build a stronger connection and bond and you have an amazing sex life? Uh, two, you know, we've been married for 30 years. How do we refine that spark again? So that that's my next stage. And that's what I'm really excited to do. So as I mentioned before, we're doing these masterclasses once a month. And again, they're on topics for attraction too, but they're always topics that can speak to every stage of the relationship. And I'm getting to bring in, and actually you should come on for a masterclass because you'd be fantastic, but I'm bringing in tons of experts who are experts in those niche spaces that I get to learn from. Cause that's like where I, that's where I get my go-go juice is learning from other people now. Um, And yeah, it's been amazing so far. And we've done about eight of them so far. And I want to continue doing them once a month and yeah, they've been super successful and people love them. I love it. So if people are interested in your work, where do they find you? And they go to winggirlmethod.com, sign up for my newsletters. And then from there, I will tell you everything. You're going to get a lot of emails from me. I'm going to communicate with you a lot, uh, but you're going to get tons of information and you're going to get videos and audiobooks and just tons of stuff coming your way from me. Free content, paid content, a whole bunch of stuff. 
All the things. All the things. Everything. <laughs> oh, thank you, Marnie. That was thank great. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed talking with you. And I'm I'm being serious about you doing a masterclass. I think you would be. Yes, fantastic. I would love to. Okay. Yeah. I think on the, on the sex research would be really yeah. valuable. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. Hey guys, thanks for listening. I've just got a quick request, which is if you like the podcast and you're willing to leave a rating and a review, I would really love that. My goal is to get to 100 ratings slash reviews before the end of 2021, and I'm at 89 right now. So I only need about 11 more people to rate and review the podcast. You can do that either for Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you have a droid, you can do it on Audible, for example, or Stitcher. It doesn't really matter. All ratings and reviews help because it helps with discovery of the podcast so more people can find it. So if you like the podcast and you're willing to give it a little boost, I would love a rating and a review from you. And you can always get me at dearmanpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions.